representing Ubaldi Reports. Hey everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Report, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues impacting America. And before we get started, I just want to, the way you can find Ubaldi Reports on the different social media platforms or on um, our podcast streaming service, just go to Ubaldi Reports, and Ubaldi Reports is spelled U-B-A-L-D-I at Excuse me, it's U-B-A-L-D-I Reports, R-E-P-O-R-T-S. And just to give a little bit of background of ourselves, my other co-host is Joe Bitts. He is a retired combat Marine from who served in Iraq, who was wounded in Iraq. I got Ray Krause, who has his own business, who is into um, starting up a firearms range um, weapons uh, repair type uh, type business. For myself, I have a master's degree in national security studies with, a, with an emphasis in Middle Eastern studies, and I also have a degree in government, and I'm a published author in many military journals as it relates to military and national security issues. Now, before we move into this, we're going to be talking about um, the debt ceiling and how it's going to impact the economy and how it's going to impact America. And to set the stage for this, how we got to this, what the debt ceiling is, it's basically the nation's credit card. It's, we've, it's already a debt that's been accumulated and things that's been allocated. And it's basically, I guess in a roundabout way, it's a way to, if you have a credit card and you max out on your credit card, what the government wants to do is to raise the debt limit so they can spend more money. The Republicans want to raise the debt ceiling, but they also want spending cuts. And in April, Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, the Republican leader, and I don't think the Democrats or President Biden was expecting this, but he passed an increase in the debt ceiling. He also, and in that, he wants spending cuts. He wants spending to go back to 2022 level. He wants to pull back money from COVID, the unspent money. He also wants to add a work requirement for those who are getting federal assistance, and also to cap spending to about 1% over the next 10 years. Now, President Biden initially did not want to negotiate um, a debt ceiling increase. What he wanted was a clean debt ceiling increase. And Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, said, we will not pass what Kevin McCarthy pushed over. That's is a debt on arrival. We want a clean debt ceiling. Now, they they held this line for 97 days where the president refused to meet with the Republicans. Now it seems like they're starting to meet and they're starting to have some give, but still President Biden's adamant that we only reduce spending to 20, 2023 levels. And the way to help pay our debt is to increase taxes. Why just the um, straight up we want you to raise it. That's it. We're not going to. Why Why don't they want to abide by the cuts when it comes to uh, raising the debt ceiling? Well, I think the reason is President Biden is beholden to the, de- the, the progressive wing of his party, who is very vocal and seems to be running the Democratic Party. They want no cuts, period. Why? I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like, why? Because they have this belief. Why not negotiate a little bit? Because they have this belief that the way to get the debt under control is to raise taxes. Now, Senator Bernie Sanders, the progressive socialist or, pre- or democratic socialist, he wrote an op-ed in, the, in Fox News and in The Hill. And what he said is he wants 
to um, to raise taxes, but he also wants to cut defense spending. He says there's problems. Some of the things I agree with, we got to cut spending, but it's never it's never spending in the social pro- programs or domestic programs. It's always in defense. He rails against defense spending that we spend more than the next 10 countries combined, but he doesn't understand we have worldwide commitments. And the reason why that has been successful, it keeps that liberal um, economies going. We keep free trade and do things like that. Now, yeah. I do agree that they need – this is where I would disagree with Republicans. They need to not cut spending at the Defense Department. They need to realign and reform how Pentagon's, the Pentagon spends. But – Bernie Sanders doesn't want to – he just wants to spend. He thinks the way to do it is tax the wealthy. He believes that the wealthy are getting away from it, and it's not an accurate statement. It's just not accurate. What Okay, what's the difference between a shutdown and then this? Because I think we've had – we had a government shutdown uh, under the Trump era. I think we, we usually that have one every po- presidency. We usually have at least one or two shutdowns. Correct. What is a shutdown – Versus this. You can do two things. They've had a full shutdown where the government couldn't pay its bills. That means they just gave you IOUs and they waited till they got a budget. Is this the, something we're talking about? No, this is almost going to be a partial shutdown. They will still be able to pay. The, the, the Treasury, the, the Department of Treasury, Janet Yellen, will have to realter who gets paid first. They won't pay certain things. Veterans and those on Social Security and Medicare will be still be getting their check. All right, score. It's, but it's not. But it's. But it, but see. But it's not going to be good for the economy when the economy grew only one percent, one point one percent in the first quarter of this year. So and I should then, take all my money out of the stock market. Why did Biden, President Biden, and his uh, people, his administration, why did they deny the fact that he's like? Well, the Republicans haven't come to the table when they certainly have. Why, why is that? I think what he was hoping for, like President Biden, when he first pushed his budget in for the fiscal year 2024, he was supposed to turn it in by law in February. He didn't release it until March. So he said to the Republicans, well, why don't you come up? So the Republicans had to have some time to come up with a budget based off what President uh, Biden came up with. So they did in April. They, and most economists said it's very sensible considering we're $31 trillion in debt and the annual budget for the government for fiscal 2023 is about $3.6 to $4 trillion. So some of the cuts that, Pres- that um, Kevin McCarthy is advocating are not earth-shattering cuts. It's just they're reasonable. And he was able to get a debt increase passed. Now, I think President Biden and the Democrats, they could have passed this last year, you know, raised the debt ceiling, but they didn't. Because I think they thought they were going to keep the House and Senate, but they didn't. Hold on. Let me get in here real quick. Is he doing this by design? I mean, supposedly he's been doing some dealings with China. You know, the the yen would kind of come in. Was it not the yen? The yuan, I think it's pronounced. Whatever the Chinese currency is would come into play. If the if the dollar loses its value, so maybe maybe Biden's just not agreeing with them, just so it would collapse, and then you know, oh lo and behold, Biden has billions of yen now. He's a billionaire. Well, I think the big I think what he was hoping for is he could keep blaming the Republicans. That seems to be his 
his M.O., and I think the media keeps blaming him, but this time I don't think he could do that because the Republicans passed. Right now the only plan on the table is what the Republicans passed out of the House back in April. All right, DC Audio and Lighting said, you do know that we owe that money to ourselves, right? Are we going to default on ourselves? No, he's correct. He's, he's correct. We, we, have a, we have a $31 trillion debt. We have to get that debt under control. Now, the thing that I've always said is we need to, it's not cut spending. We need to reform spending. And that never happened. Who do we owe that money to? A lot of it is owed to China. A lot of it's owed to other foreign countries. A lot of it, some of it's our debt. And what happens if it's never paid? Well, hold on. There's another thing. What if they just wipe it out? What if, like, America's like, you know, uh, you you know, what if... (laughs) Oh, we hit a glitch. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. What if it's just like, oh, you know what? Zero. What's How's that going to impact? That would be like anything else. That would have major impact on the world economies. If the United States defaulted, that would send... We're not talking about defaulting. We're just like, hey, we're not going to... Again, it's just like student loan debt. If you wipe it out, somebody owes that money. Somebody going to oh, want their money. I can think of 435 reasons of who owes that money. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But, I mean, it does have problems because if you don't pay your debt or don't get your fiscal house in order, now think about it. Every time they raise interest rates, interest on the debt goes up. So we're paying about 400 almost $500 billion a year to finance our debt. That could be used for something else. So another question I had was also, um, why do we, as the American people, why do we owe that money when it is our government that is not regulating themselves when they're spending this money? Because that's part of the. We're part of the, the country of America. We're part of America. I didn't so sign up for this. I didn't. You know, nobody <laughs> does. But see the problem. But see, how is it that but, I owe thirty one thousand okay, dollars in debt right now? Okay, but yes and no. We didn't sign up for it, but everybody has their hand out. Everybody loves their their programs. Like everybody wants better roads. Everybody wants this and that. And even okay, all three of us came from the Department of Defense, and we just learned I think a couple of days ago there was some type of an accounting error, and they just underfunded or was it overfunded? They they overfunded I guess weapons to Ukraine for three billion dollars. Okay, so a question did come up on TikTok. It says, "So, um, so why is the money borrowed? Why, like, why, like, at what point were were we like, oh, we need money? Because when you, it's it's just like a, just like any business or a family. Right now, I looked at there was um, more money is coming into the treasury, mm-hmm. but more money is going out. So it's just like a, a family, Joe. You got a family, yeah." If you get you and your wife work, okay. You know, let's just keep it easy math for me, okay? Sure. You make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Close. Okay. Okay. Sh- sh- shut up. <laughs> you make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Your wife makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. You Not got close. two. You got two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, two hundred thousand dollars coming in to your family budget each year. Almost. Yeah. Okay. But let's say you've got a factor. Let's say you guys went out and bought. You got a brand new truck. Mm-hmm. Your wife's got a brand new car. Okay. You got a house payment. Yeah. But then you travel here and you spend this, you spend that. So more money is going. Looking at my Facebook. Yeah. Okay. More <laughs> money is going out 
then it's coming in. So now you've got a structural deficit. Mm -hmm. But what the government does, there's a couple things you can fix. You can maybe cancel your cable. You can just go to basic cable or whatever. You can cut back on maybe not going out or maybe not go to Disney World, which you guys like to do a lot. But there's a couple things. One weekend, man. Okay, but there's a couple things that you guys can't cut. You got a house payment, and you got a truck payment, and maybe a car payment. Those things you can't fix. So what government does, they lock themselves into ongoing spending Mm -hmm. that they can't touch. Okay. So about sixty to seventy percent of the budget is tied up, and I will use the word entitlement programs: Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid and other social programs that they can't cut. The only way you can cut it is you got to change the law. So then you have discretionary spending where the defense department, these are bills that you pay every month, like your cable bill, your water bill, electrical bill. So the only place you can cut is in these programs. But if you, even if you eliminated the department of defense, you still have a structural debt because unlike what people remember, we had this, this information, this podcast about social security. Mm Mm-hmm. And you didn't know that payroll tax from money that comes out of your check goes to pays for Social Security and money that the employers take a portion out and pay for Social Security. Yeah. So if more people are less people are working and more people are pulling for them, you got a debt. So these are the things that are adding up and our government has never got its fiscal house in order. They always blame tax cuts. It's not tax cuts. It's the spending never ends. Mm-hmm. Government just gets larger and less effective and less efficient. Could we tax the absolute wealthiest in this entire country to pay for our taxes? Or- it, hold on, wait. We the majority the majority of the wealthy pay the majority of our well, taxes. I think there's a lot of people in our comments that just want the wealthy to be taxed. Okay, well, but yeah, but also the wealthier wealthier are the ones that are putting most okay. money into the taxes. What Joe has said about the top. 25% or something like that pay 75% of 80% of the taxes. Yeah. This is not me saying this. This is the Congressional Budget Office. This is the, the yeah, look uh, it Bureau up. of Economic Analysis saying this. There's not enough wealth from the top the, the top percent. There's a case, a case in point is California. The top 1% in California pay 75 to 80% of all the taxes. So when they do well, California does well. When California, when the economy is not doing well, like now, less revenue is coming in. So everybody wants to go after the wealthy. There's not enough wealthy people in America to pay for it. The bulk of the wealth, as much as people don't want to admit this, the bulk of the wealth is in the middle class. And you know what? So it's not entirely the rich people's fault. No. no. But also, know what I'm confused about is that why... The majority of the, well, other than Elon Musk, uh, the majority of like the uh, wealthy tend to kind of go left when it comes, and then they're like, they're cool with it. They're like, okay, I'm going to pay my fair share. No. And the, but see, then they go left to a degree. You have um, the CEO of Starbucks. He was on Capitol Hill, and they, they you know, he was on Capitol Hill, I think it was in front of the Senate. And he railed against that when they always go against the billionaire class. And he says, listen, guys, I grew up in public housing. I struggled as a kid where our parents were poor. I made it to that. And I would look at members of Congress. Like Bernie Sanders talks about we got to make the wealthy pay more. Please explain to me 
how a Democrat, how a socialist is worth over a million, is worth a couple million dollars. He has three homes worth over $600,000. How does that work? Mm-hmm. They were talking about something about the 14th Amendment. 14th Amendment. Now, what exactly is that? The 14th Amendment came out three years after the end of the Civil War in 1868. What okay. that was is to give freedom and give citizenship to freed African-American slaves. But in the fourth, our, uh, fourth section of the 14th Amendment, it okay. states, let me put my glasses on. It states, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. What the 14th Amendment did is that the the authors and the political leaders at that time, they didn't want the, the government to default on its union debt during for that they used for the Civil War. Now, constitutional scholar, like one of them was Jonathan Turley, mm-hmm. had mentioned that what and what the president and Democrats want to do is use that to pay, to raise the debt ceiling without cuts. Is That's that like the, not what it was for. And he was appalled that anybody would suggest that because what they're saying is the power of the purse by the Constitution, I think it's an Article 2, goes to the House of Representatives. They have the authority to, to do the things, to raise taxes, to cut spending to do all this stuff. All the president can do is recommend his recommendations. He can veto. He can do these things. But he can't unilaterally raise the debt ceiling just like President Biden tries. And this is a court case will come up next, will be ruled on next month. He can't unilaterally with uh, forgive student loan debt. He doesn't have that power. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is Democrats are usur- taking their power entrusted to them and giving it to the president because they can't get their way. Yeah, That's not what our Constitution is for. And I'm going to be appalled that what we said in the previous podcast on Memorial Day, you got government leaders, our elected officials, don't know their own Constitution. So um, also the trillion-dollar coin, did you hear about that? I heard that with Janet Yellen. I think that's more of a pie-in-the-sky type thing. There's no way they can do that. I mean, but I just imagined you know, them printing out a trillion-dollar coin, Biden picking it up, walking it, and then dropping it, and it goes down the sewer drain or something like that. The thing is, with our, with our Constitution, it's, not, it's, it's messy. The way the framers, if anybody had studied the Constitution, they, they overlapped each other. The president submits the budget. He's the chief legislature, legislator. He submits a budget, but Congress is the power of the purse to dictate how that money is spent and what's being spent. If they want to raise taxes, the president can propose it, but he needs to work with Congress to actually enact it into law. So someone said totally untrue. These Google experts are not giving you accurate information. I guess they're talking about Jonathan Turley. And Victor David Hansen. Okay, um, but I would just ask him to reform to this individual. What are we not saying that's not accurate? Or what are they saying that's not yeah, accurate? Yeah, what are I mean, what are we saying Simon that is not Angel. that is not accurate? Forty eight. Yeah, go ahead. All right, John. So uh keeping up with current events and, you know, the debt ceiling and all that, um, we're obviously watching Russia and Ukraine unfold. Obviously we've Correct. seen some latest news about uh, the the battle of four Bakhmut, Bakhmut's fallen into Russian hands. We've seen our equipment be at the front line. 
Um, is it necessary to take a step back and actually start planning now? Or what are we doing and why are we still sending hundreds of billions? We've calculated a $3 billion error. Correct. Why are we sending this stuff to the front? Why are we not being reported everything that's going on? in Russia and Ukraine if we're going to be financially involved. And okay. also how much have we how much have we given Ukraine total? We given total I think it's about seventy five billion dollars with thirty five billion being military assistance. Okay. The rest is humanitarian, other financial reasons. this is coming from uh, the, the the Center for Strategic International Studies and the Council on Foreign Relations. Now going back to your question, I support President Biden arming the Ukrainians because you, you can't let a country like Russia invade another country just willfully because that sets the tone for China to go into to Taiwan. That said, the reason I'm critical of how Biden has handled the uh, Ukraine um, conflict is in February he had an opportunity to explain it to the American people. Why are we sending arms to the Ukrainians? He never did. The other problem is it's not going by by what Sun Tzu, the famous Chinese general, he said that it's to fight. You want to fight without actually fighting. Had President Biden been tougher against Russia from his first um, time coming into office. Now, remember, when he came in, he ended the Keystone XL pipeline. He took off the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. This is sending energy to Western Europe. He... um, when Russia hacked into U.S. energy grid, Biden just said, hey, don't just don't hack here and don't hack these certain areas. And then the biggest thing was the debacle in Afghanistan where we abandoned our allies. We pulled out. We left $80 billion worth of weapons to the, um, the Taliban. We threw our European allies under the bus. So he sh- then when the when they were massing troops, he just didn't want to do anything. And so I don't want to um, antagonize Russia. Remember, he made the comment right before Russia invaded Ukraine. Well, they can do a little incursion and I would be fine with that. And he had to walk that back. So by doing all this stuff, Putin wasn't acting irrational. He saw Zelensky wasn't popular like he is now. Right. NATO was in kind of a disarray. And then, so he miscalculated, and he saw weakness in the United States. So, okay, last point. Well, but look what we got now. Remember last year, President Biden said, I'm not going to send tanks to Russia, I mean, to Ukraine. Now we're doing it. Remember how he said we're not going to send them the F-16s? Now we're having European countries give them F-16s and train the Ukrainians on that. So, and, and how many times did President Biden say, the reason why gas is so expensive and the reason why inflation is so high is because of Putin's war in Ukraine. So if that's the case, what are you doing to try to end the conflict? So if he, if this is maybe his mindset or how I think he's going to be doing it is, say, let Ukraine fight it out, let them waste all their efforts in trying to defeat Russia greatly weakening their their side so that America can just kind of come in and be like gotcha like is it is America's it like not, like that? I mean America is America's not going to go into Ukraine because one it'll take a massive amount of military forces from the United States and we're not we've, we've depleted ourselves the problem is 
And this goes back to what we've learned um, a week ago with the Durham report. There was no Russian collusion. How much different would it have been if Trump could have done better relationships with Russia? All we've done while Biden has become president is draw Russia closer to China instead of away from China. So we've actually contributed to this merging of the minds of Russia and China together at the detriment of the United States and our other allies. And we've actually harmed ourselves because even now, mm-hmm. President Biden is not doing things he needs to do on the world stage. Like India still gets energy from Russia. Japan still gets energy from Russia. But what do we do? We end our energy independence. We could have supplemented Western Europe with all the energy they needed and our allies as a counterweight to China, to uh, Russia, but yeah. we haven't done that. And made money off it. Do you think that Trump did everything he could to help Russia? No. He was, uh, to be honest, I know the media, and I know probably some of the listeners aren't going to agree with this, Trump was harder on tr- Russia. In Syria, as an example, he killed 250 to 500 Russian mercenaries out of the uh, the Wagner group. And that sent a signal to, to, to Putin, because Putin couldn't admit that this was going that this happened because then he would have to admit that he's heavily involved in Syria. And the one thing Trump is with everybody whatever he say about the guy, the guy was unpredictable. China didn't do anything nor Russia did anything and you got to remember Russia went into um to Georgia under George George um W Bush and Russia went into the Crimea under President Obama, but Russia didn't move under Donald Trump for 4 years. Booster Gold 2040 or 2442. Look up. What was it? Red February? Is that what they called it? Or February 2017? Something like that. Of all the Russian mercenaries. That whole incident that you just talked about. Yeah, that was like. It was February 2017. I can't remember the exact date, but I know it happened like 2017 or 2018 or something like that. I would have to go back and look at the exact date. So, and how can we maybe curtail some of the spending that's going on? I know that. There's still a lot of uh, the COVID money that the states haven't taken in yet. Uh, the student loan stuff the, that they've kind of allocated money for. Where, when are we, like, is there ways to get money back to kind of like work with the budget here? To be honest, it's not going to happen because the way our system, the way our political leaders are now republicans were no steward of the of the of the federal treasury as well but that said we're here we're at where we're at now they need to do a 21st century overhaul on how the the government spends its money look at every department look at every agency every anything that spends money from the u.s government they need to look at and they just don't i mean obviously we come from the department of defense the defense department needs to overhaul how it spends money how it acquisitions its acquisitions it's the same thing with all the social programs and all the domestic programs do we like as an example do we need the department of agriculture in washington dc why don't they move where its headquarters or where its constituents are at let's say kansas nebraska um iowa the where the farm belt are why don't we move the bureau of land management instead of being in washington Move them to, say, Montana or to North Dakota. These are where your constituents are. And keep a small little satellite office that deals just with legislation, mm-hmm. with the technology, with Zoom, 
and all the other electronic de um, devices that we have, we really don't need to have um, them in Washington. Then sell those bu buildings, put everybody in one building, and you can start reducing the national debt. Then we got to get people moving again, help small businesses get get back from the COVID lockdowns that killed them. The other thing is we got to restructure American education. I've mentioned many times that half the country of American kids can't read or do math to grade level. And for the ethnic minorities, it's 80% are can't read or do math to grade level. So we need to, we should be the number one or at least in the top five of all industrial countries for education in math and science and in, um, and reading, but we're not. That has to change. Otherwise, we're, we're not going to have problems. Or we're going to have problems. The military is a hard time recruiting because some of the, one of the big elements is these kids who are the prime recruiting age are uneligible for the military because they can't pass the ASVAB test. You mean the drag queens aren't working? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but see, all these things are playing, and I don't see any leader, even those running for president, addressing those e issues and i don't see a media asking these tough questions like i would ask president biden you would say you're our our big in public education because your wife was a public school teacher well then why are these kids failing why did your child get to go to a private school but everybody else's kids have to go to the failing government school so booster gold does bring up something he goes what's your solution to education i like hearing this you know i like when you bring up a problem, but what's the solution? The solution is choice. Okay. Give parents a choice where their child goes to school. If you want to send you, Joe, you've got kids. You should have a choice where your child goes to school, how they're educated, and what they're being educated on. Yeah, and I do that. But And then if you can't afford it, the money the state allocates for public education should follow you so you can choose which is the best school. My parents... Didn't have a lot of money. Like I said, my dad only had a fifth grade education. He moved his kids into a better school, even though it was a better public school, because he wanted his children educated. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, hold on. Voucher system only hurts the minority population. What do you think about that? That's false. How does it hurt the, the minority population so they can take money and they can go to a school that best fits their child's needs? I mean, you. I mean, look at right now. I mean, is the public school helping the minority children now? When eighty percent? No. This no. isn't when me saying this. This is from the department. This is from the national educational assessment that came out in October, where eighty percent can't read or do math to grade level. So, yeah. we're sending these kids to the same crap school. And we're hoping for a different result. That's insanity. That's how you fix it. So, John, why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can get a hold of you. Again, you can go to ubaldireports at gmail.com. Check us out on all the streaming sites for the podcast and social media. And Ubaldi Reports is spelled U-B-A-L-D-I Reports, R-E-P-O-R-T-S. And check us out. And we're going to try to do We're going. My goal is to do this every, every day because there's a lot of topics that need to be discussed and we can't just do it all in one day. So hopefully with your support, let your friends and family know about Ubaldi Reports. And I'd like to thank Joe and uh, Ray for helping us out, providing questions and just concerns and bringing up their life experiences. Joe has a podcast that he does 
that's American Gunslingers that talks a little bit more edgier than what we do here. Yeah, you can get that, but, you know, let's just kind of keep it to, you can hear more of us talk to uh, on TikTok because we'll be seeing who wants to continue the conversation, like, share, and uh, tell your friends about the podcast. We'd appreciate that. So until then, have a great day. Yep, till then, till, till next Wednesday at 730, keep following Ubali Reports.